Our reading today comes from James 1, verses 1 through 27. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion. Greetings, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your face produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Let the believer who is lowly boast in being raised up, and the rich in being brought low, because the rich will disappear like a flower in the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the field. Its flowers falls, and its beauty perishes. It is the same way with the rich. In the midst of a busy life, they will wither away. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. No one, when tempted, should say, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil and himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. <clears throat> you must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all the sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the planet word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being non-hearers, who forget but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans, widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the word. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, today we begin a new sermon series called Action, based on the letter of James. You may or may not know this, but this tiny little letter in the New Testament found in between Hebrews and 1 Peter, has stumped the church since its earliest days. In fact, the letter of James wasn't even included in the Moratorian canon in the 2nd century. 
which is likely the earliest list of letters and books to be included in the New Testament. And the early church fathers must have had doubts about this letter as well, because they don't include it in their writings until the fourth century. Now, when Athanasius, who was the bishop of Alexandria, compiled his influential canon list, that is, the books and the letters that would be included in the Old and the New Testament, and he compiled this list in the year 367, when he did, James was included on the authoritative works of Scripture. And so it went, this relationship with James, until, that is, the Great Reformation of the 1500s. When Martin Luther came on the scene, he didn't have much love for James and the message that was included in it. He said that James was, quote, full of straw and contained no good news. And Martin Luther even went as far as to rip James out of his Bible. James and a couple other uh, letters that he didn't like very much, he rips it out and he moves it to the back of his Bible. You know, back where the index and the maps are located. Martin Luther said this. He said, I think highly of the epistle of James and regard it as valuable, even though it was rejected in the early days. Yet, I do not hold it to be apostolic, because in direct opposition to Paul, the letter of James ascribes justification by works. In other words, what bothered Martin Luther so much, what likely confused the early church fathers, was that the letter of James calls followers of Christ to action. Now, why this bothered Luther so much is because the good news of the gospel is that we are saved by faith in Christ, not works. We are justified We are made right before God through Christ, not our own actions or doings. We just finished, in fact, going through Romans chapter 8. We learned in Romans chapter 8 that Paul reminds us that there is absolutely nothing at all that can separate us from the perfect love of God in Christ. Not what we do, and not what we fail to do. Because the good news is that it's all about what Christ did for us. But James, this tiny letter that's traditionally credited to James, the brother of Jesus, who was a leader in the church of Jerusalem, this letter is all about action. Our actions, in fact, It's a letter that calls disciples to be, quote, doers of the word and not just hearers. James 1, verse 22. It's a scripture that calls us to not just sit back and to read the word of God or to listen to the word of God spoken and proclaimed. But it's a letter that tells us that we need to embody the word of God in pretty much every aspect of our life. But it's worth thinking through this complicated relationship that the church has had with James. Because if it is true 
that we are justified, that we are made right, that we are saved through what Christ accomplished on the cross and not our own actions, then why should we bother doing anything at all? It's a valid question. Why not just take that good news, put it on a shelf, look at it from time to time, smile, thank God even, and continue living our lives however we please? Why not? What is this link that James is trying to make between our faith in Christ, acknowledging where our justification comes from, and how we live this out, how we act? How is James trying to pull this together? Well, for one, I think, James is touching on the peculiar thing about love. God's love for us, which of course is the epitome of love. And that is that this love is both freely given and at the same time, it is a gift that cannot be truly appreciated or understood by putting on a shelf. In fact, this gift that God gives us, love demonstrated on the cross, This is not a gift that will make much sense at all without putting it to use in this crazy, broken, and polarized world. The cross is confusing after all, isn't it? And understanding it isn't nearly as much of an academic exercise as it is a lifelong internship at sitting at its foot at marveling in its mystery, at learning to understand what this gift is and how it both frees us and calls us to action. The cross is a mystery. In 1 Corinthians verse 18, Paul says this, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are saved, it is the power of God. Our God demonstrates his perfect power and his perfect love in a way that looks like foolishness to the world around us. The thing about James and all works in scripture, perhaps, is that you can't really read it apart from the entire or larger gospel narrative. When we read scripture, we have to be able to see both the forest and the trees. Otherwise, passages can easily be twisted or taken out of context. It happens all the time. So yes, we can absolutely do nothing to earn our salvation. It's a gift that's freely given. And also, yes, it's a gift that we can do everything to either realize or to fail to realize for what it actually is. Sanctification invites us to participate in the journey, which of course involves action on our part. Think about this for a second. Let's assume that you are married or that you desire to be married. And let's just say that your significant other knows that you love parties 
And so very recently, he or she went out of their way to throw you a massive party for no other reason other than to celebrate your presence in their life. So this massive party was thrown, no expense was spared, no detail was left unchecked. All of your favorite people, your favorite food, your favorite music, it was all present. And your partner did this just for you to let you know how much you mean to them and how much they value your presence in their life. Now, let's say that if you remember the five love languages, it was a book a while back that was written that helps us all to understand how both we and the people in our own lives best experience love. We don't all experience love or share love in the same way. So this book tries to give us categories. And the book says that some people, for some people, their love language is words of affirmation. For others, it's acts of service. For some, it's physical touch. For others, it's gift giving. And for some, it's quality time. I'm sure there's others, but this particular book gives us five. Okay. So your partner knows that you love parties. So they throw you this party. Now, let's just say that you know that their love language is words of affirmation. You know this about them. But in response to this party that they have thrown you, when it's all said and done, you do what appears to be nothing. Not a word of thanks, not a card, not planning any future activities or events that show your appreciation or your love in return. Or maybe you decide that the party was really what it's all about and the party is what meant the most to your significant other. And so you decide to show your appreciation for that party by simply attending random parties once per week that may or may not be connected to your loved one. Their love language was words of affirmation. How hurt or confused do you think your partner might be? Now, I don't know that God the Father experiences hurt or confusion the way we humans do. But I do know that Jesus was fully human and therefore, he did experience those feelings and emotions. God demonstrates his perfect love for us through the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And truly, very truly, there is nothing that can separate us from that loved. We are free. We are saved. God loves us. And still God desires that we love him in return. That's what this whole human narrative, creation narrative, is all about. It's one big love story. And Jesus really tried as best as possible to simplify for us what God desires. He tried what our love response to God should look like in this crazy and scary and broken world. Jesus tried to simplify it for us. Love God love one another. Quite simply, 
In fact, our invitation looks like love in action. That is what God is inviting us to participate in. We show our love for God by the way we love others. 1 John chapter 4 goes as far to say is that we cannot love. There's no way for us to love a God who we can't see if we are unable to love a brother or sister whom we can see. Yet, too often, we think that this relationship with God, this church experience, we think that it's really about this experience here on a Sunday morning or some other day throughout the week. We think it's about reading scripture, memorizing it even, or listening to a sermon. And while immersing ourselves in the word is definitely part of it, that immersion in the word is meant to do one thing. It's meant to change us and how we act in this world and interact with others. Now, I imagine some of you are sitting at home, watching the service in your PJs, drinking your coffee, listening to the music, listening to the message, and that is all well and good. That's what we've invited you to do. However, I would also hope that at some point you are going to get up and get dressed. Now, I know since COVID has happened, that might not happen as frequently as before if you're uh, allowed to work from home or stay at home. But nonetheless, at some point, you will get dressed and you're going to leave your home. And there's a good chance that there's going to be other people around you at some point. And when that does happen, I would hope, as one of your pastors here at Ebenezer, that the gospel you heard during a Sunday service or the gospel or scripture that you've read and studied throughout the week impacts in some way how you think and speak and act in all of your other interactions throughout the week. You see, James isn't contradicting Paul or even Jesus. He is simply reminding us that, yes, the gospel is both, it both gives us life and it asks for our life in return. It's not a contradiction. It asks for our life in return, but it won't coerce or force it out of us because love is never coercive. Love is never coercive. Rather, it's a standing invitation to join God in true, authentic, and abundant life. Verse 22, James chapter 1. But be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. Notice it doesn't say justified. Notice it doesn't say saved. It says blessed. The doing that we are called to do, brothers and sisters, is of course love. Jesus, the word of God, 
was love in the flesh. And if we ever want to know what love in action looks like, we don't have to look farther than Jesus. His teaching, his life, his ministry, his feeding, his caring, his nurturing, his enemy love, his serving, his challenging of the worldly empires and kingdoms, and his self-sacrificing example. We too are called to be doers of that word. James, the letter here that we're going to be going through over the next couple of weeks, it's wisdom literature. It reads to me like Proverbs. So it's not per se a to-do list. Like we're not going to be able to wake up each and every day and check all of these boxes off. However, When we read James in light of the entire gospel, we can understand James's message. It's a message that's meant to impart wisdom. It's a message that's meant to prepare us for trials and temptations. Though those things never come from God, we know that they certainly come at us. James reminds us that God's kingdom is one where the last are first and the first are last. And James reminds us that God simply doesn't want us to just sit back and listen and shelf this gift that he has given to us, but that God truly does desire that our love response is one in which we actively put into practice the word of God in this world. God sent Jesus into this world. Jesus told the disciples before he left that the Holy Spirit would be coming and that he was sending them into the world. This is where we are called to be not just hearers, but doers of God's word. So let us persevere then in being doers of the word of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.